0: So um thank you very much. Uh, so it's Martin Redstone here from AI Recruiter. I am joined today by Hung Lee, uh curator of uh, brainfood.com recruiting and um we are going to be going through some questions and answers around Hung and how he manages his life basically.
1: Yeah, excited to be here, Martin. So, um, so yeah, let's, let's, let's get the show on the road. Let's do <laughs> let's it. Do it.
0: Let's, let's do this. It. Good stuff. So, um, so we're going to start from the top, really. Um, can you let us know where you're based? Where, whereabouts are you in the world right now?
1: Yeah, I'm based in, in London in the UK. Um, that's generally been the case last twenty years or so. So that's that's the HQ. That's where I do uh, the work, and uh, and and where obviously this year I've been entirely uh, entirely here. So um, so yeah, that's the location, man with the famous
0: red tiles behind you now that everybody knows
1: <laughs> yeah and it's amazing how people are kind of uh, kind of associate the uh the, the kitchen with me now but um but yeah that's where it is this is basically not a bad spot to do podcasting because it's the basically the best window i've got hopefully the lighting is okay without having to put artificial lighting on which is you know, your eyes and stuff um so uh so yeah this is the spot where a lot of the uh this is like a mini studio for me
0: <laughs> good stuff good stuff so tell me I, I mentioned um that you're obviously chief curator of recruiting RecruitingBrainFood.com, which a lot of people will know you kind of best from but what else do you do what 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 what, what is your your weekly kind of n- and daily job hung
1: you know what it's mainly the newsletter I mean I have to say uh I mean the history of the newsletter is started off very much as a sideline, a, a, a project that really wasn't gonna be, you know, anything strategic or anything with a plan behind it. Um, uh, but obviously over time, it's became a popular thing and, um, you know, the community just uh, grown and grown. Um, and as a result of that, it's like, you know, th- there's always that community to serve now. So there's lots of different sort of channels now on Recruiting Brain Food, um, you know, there's a video webinar, you know, there's a, a thriving group on Facebook. Um, uh, there's uh, all kinds of channels and, and tools that we've built around the idea of uh, supporting the recruiting community uh, all of which require tinkering but work and, and what have you so um, so yeah I, I see myself now as basically uh, ecosystem support I would say you know if you think of, if you, if you think of the, uh, the recruitment marketplace being a, a, an ecosystem all kinds of different uh, 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 kind of uh, businesses and people in it um, I'm doing what I can to to basically elevate that entire that entire ecosystem and and do what I can to help out.
0: No, it's cool. Um, as you know, you know I, I I try and get myself as involved in in that ecosystem as much as possible, and, uh, yeah, and I really enjoy it. It's really great. And you're,
1: and you're a great supporter of the brain food, man. You're one of the uh, the, the prominent uh, supporters of it, and great to see. Uh, great to see that. I really appreciate it as well, man.
0: Well, it's a no brainer from my perspective. Um, yeah, you know, I've always said, you know, for just from the newsletter itself, there is so much that you can get out of that on a weekly basis that it's uh, anybody that hasn't subscribed should definitely subscribe. Um, and there we go. There's your uh, there's your free shout out. <laughs> so you mentioned, you know, obviously over the last uh, six to to eight months, everybody's kind of started moving into a work from home basis. What and and people have gone from, uh, you know, having to kind of do a bit of an emergency office setup using ironing boards and all those kind of things as desks what does your workspace look like now
1: it's kind of like this. i was <laughs> i actually have a standing desk um and I've, I've been using that standing desk for a long time so it's it's the um uh, uh, the way i so my i think i've got bad posture martin so i mean ultimately i struggle if my posture doesn't shift um, irrespective of whether I'm sitting, standing or sleeping, right? So what I end up doing is not have a single set space where, oh, this is the office. Um, I have to move in some way. So so what I've habituated myself to doing is essentially shifting from three different positions, um, which is number one, standing desk, number two, sitting at something like this, uh, and number three, just, this may sound weird, but there's actually a very low stool that I squat on um with a with a with a a kind of a normal size table but i'm lower than the table um and
0: reaching up like that (laughs) yeah yeah
1: um and that also has the effect of stretching your back in a different way so Essentially, I move between those three positions during, you know, the course of the day. And the day obviously is anything from like getting up at six, uh, going to sleep at, uh, you know, whatever time. So, uh, so yeah, it's a long old day. But you know, like I say, I don't think I can sit in a, a, any mm-hmm. one st- sit or stand in any one position for eight hours. I think that my back ultimately does
0: uh, it does go basically. Yeah, no, no, I totally get that. I, uh, I can't sit at a desk for, for that amount of time either. I find myself moving to the kitchen so that i can just use a standing kind of on, on the kitchen kind of work surface and what have you so, no, i totally get that but the uh the squatting on a stool thing is quite interesting i have to think Give about it a that shot. Yeah. it's weird
1: yeah. i mean it's 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 actually just forces your spine to be straighter mm-hmm. um and it it you know I, not that i've read a lot on this but i've, I've read a lot on like, um, uh, like what your natural posture is or how we've evolved to do it. And sitting on seats, we know is is weird because seats are actually quite a new way, a new design. Mm. Um, and by and large, previously, if we wanted to kind of lower ourselves to something, we would squat mm. um, before we actually sit, you know, but, buttocks to the floor type of thing. So, but the squatting posture, we've forgotten about a great deal. So I'm thinking, okay, let's try that a little bit and see whether that actually helps. And, and like I say, switching to and fro, really does, uh, in my view, really help.
0: Yeah, especially very good for you, kind of opening up the hips in a squatting position. I've heard it's uh, it can be very, very good for you, for your back, for your hips, for your posture in general.
1: Yeah, yeah. Good, for uh, your, good mo- stuff. Good, good for your movements as well, uh, Martin, you know. If you struggle that- with that side, that's also, also a good thing.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, come on, let's get to the nitty-gritty then. Um, I want to hear one word that best describes how you work.
1: Um, one word. I think in a relaxed relaxed way, I would say. Relaxed. Yeah, relax. I mean, I think suppression of, of stress is quite important for me. Um, don't get me wrong, I work quite well in stress, but it's there's a, there's a huge cost after the delivery where you know mentally you're not there um, because you've had this stressful type of situation. So I think it's important to just keep perspective. I think this year has helped us do that. I've got to be honest. Um, uh, you know, prior to this year, you know, I had to get that report in, I had to get this email out, whatever these days it's like okay actually the world's not going to collapse if it doesn't happen right now um it's already collapsed um so your email is not going to help or or hinder um and it's just just a little bit sense of more control um is is the way to do it so that's that would be what i've learned in this year for sure and
0: uh the word i would use to describe how i'm doing it relaxed i like it i like it i think a lot of us can probably learn from from that i think uh There's certainly been, like you said, over the last six months, a significant amount of stress and anxiety with a lot of people. So learning to work in a little bit more of a relaxed way is so important for so many people. So I like that. I like that. I wasn't expecting that. So that's uh, that's a good one. So tell me a little bit more about your background and how you got to where you are today. Um, so basically
1: I was one of the very few people, I think I'm the only person that I can recall actually. And there's, there's one more person in our industry actually, which, uh, who's, who's who, who, I forget who that is, but, um, who basically opted to do recruiting, you know I mean? Essentially out of university, it was like, oh, what am I going to do? Um, and most people say, oh, I fell into it, but no, I looked at it and thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. Um, and this is in like the web one era, lots of interesting companies back in the day, Um, you know, eBay setting up, you had crazy type of uh, e-commerce style businesses that were trying to launch 10 years before we were ready for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to get into those companies. I wanted to work for those types of businesses, Um, but I couldn't program for shit. Um, You know, I couldn't do it. I I remember trying to do a bit of a a, a sort of web page building. Mine, it took me like three days to write one page of HTML on Notepad um and whilst i managed to get a website up and running um it was like the most painful experience ever and i just didn't enjoy it i just didn't enjoy the the forensic you know, needing to get every dash and dot correct it was like as a detailed orientation i don't have and i just thought look if i was going to be a programmer i'd be Uh, very mediocre at best, Mm. you know, I could do it because I work hard, uh, but I'd be a mediocre developer and it would be boring. How else can I get into this world of tech? Um, And this is when you see, okay, huge need for recruiting, huge need for people to, you know, bring these developers on board. And I just thought, okay, why don't I join a technology recruitment business? And maybe I could at least touch this industry via that means. And who knows, I might find my way in there in some, in some fashion. So that's basically how I started in recruiting
0: um, you know nearly 20 uh, years or so ago now. Wow and and so that set you off on a, on a on a journey really to where you got to today so so what what does that journey look like for you?
1: First 10 years straight up agency play um, so it's it, recruitment agents listening to this will, will know it. Um, it it's one of these things that if you're reasonably good at it you end up staying for quite a bit um, because it is good fun and you do earn good money and you know especially when you're living in a big city it actually makes a difference to earn a bit of money you have to you have to say that um because your circumstances are massively you know a, a affected so i was doing good um you know a, re, a reasonably good performer and in, in these types of companies 2009 was the year when i really uh, uh rethought my role in agency i actually hit I think the top biller sort of mark in my business Um, and I hit a big number and it was all this. And you know what, Martin, it it, it didn't feel anything to me. Mm. It was a weird one because, you know, when you have a a goal in mind um, and you think, all right, I'm going to take home this number. And that, that gives you the motivation to go ahead and do it. Uh, but when you achieved it, it was like right. Is that it then? Um, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm I'm never been a materialistic person that would go out and rush out and buy like a rolly or whatever. It's like whatever. It's just more numbers piling up into the bank account, right? I, don't get me wrong. Good to have, but it was like the achievement was more important than actually the the the, the material benefit. But once you've achieved it, it was like, I really struggled to motivate myself. It was like almost like winning your first England cap and then having your career go downhill. You know, it's like, right. Uh, it, it's not, oh, I've made it now. That It's not that. It's like, you this is, this is your goal. You've achieved your goal and then you've lost your direction because mm-hmm. the goal's been achieved. And I didn't know where else to go after that. Um, and I, it was about six months of me then being this kind of demotivated situation. And I just thought, you know what? I think I've got to quit. I remember... Actually, you end up disrespecting the job at some point. You know, you end up sort of uh, resenting candidates. You get really critical of of, of can of, of clients. You know, you, you you kind of build that type of toxicity inside of you. And I remember one moment; it was very clear. I was like very hungover. I think because I was still going out a lot at the time. Very hungover. Um, I was on a call with a candidate, and I had trained myself. I'd just done this call so many times, this conversation. Um, and I trained myself actually to be able to ask a question, which I knew would trigger a long response from the candidate. Um, and I, I asked that because I was like, okay, I can now take a five minute nap while he answers. <laughs> um, and then I'll wake myself up and then I'll ask another question that would trigger another long, long response and have another nap. And I did that and, you know, had the call, screen the candidate, put, put the phone down. I was like momentarily really pleased with myself. I thought, wow, yeah, hung, you're, you're you're an ace recruiter. You can literally do this job with like 0.1% of attention. Um, aren't you? Fucking ace. Um, but then that 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 feeling evaporated within a second. And I just thought, Hung, what are you doing? You just disrespected this guy who's looking for a job. Number one, clearly disrespected him. Don't ever do that mm-hmm. again. Uh number two, you disrespected your boss and your colleagues. You know, um, they're all having a laugh, but you disrespected the business by literally not paying attention to a critical part of the job. And finally, you disrespected yourself, man. You've disrespected the job you're doing because you can you reckon it's a good thing, funny thing, you can do this at 1% attention. I quit on the same day. Really? I put wow. I phone down, and I said, listen, what's happened to you is I've come to the end of the road in terms of my motivation for this. And I, I, there's nothing coming, there's no other thing. Happening after, there's no plan. It was like, I just got to go. And I said to him, I, I was doing okay, not brilliant, but I was doing okay. And he was like, What? It's a surprising resignation, I guess. But it was, it was clearly made up. So, listen, I'm going to leave because um, my brain is not in this. Um, and I, I've got to leave. It's, you know, I would purely be a destructive person in this business if I continued. So, out of agency from there, um, I went. That was 2009. Um, yeah
0: wow so that kind of moment of epiphany that you kind of reached your your uh, your pinnacle of your agency career and it was all kind of downhill from there i suppose
1: yeah it was it was like where else is there i mean and, and I, like you say the job is great in many respects gives you highs and lows has lots of subtleties and lots of you know i think you need to be smart to do it um but it's not particularly complicated at that level you know it's like get a job get a candidate match them together do a bit of good selling either way and then bang it mm. in and hopefully you make a bit of profit repeat um, and you know yes you can go down a management track um which would you know produce a different set of responsibilities and stuff like that but yeah you know, i didn't want to necessarily do a sales sales manager job um and aside from that it's like there's no other real path right you can just be mm. a, a a good earner um, or you could be a manager and for me the, this is at the moment 2009 is the significant time because this is when LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, everyone's getting into these uh, these these networks were now becoming ubiquitous. And I was thinking this is exciting, technologies coming around again. It felt very much like 2000s actually, where there was all these new technologies coming in. This we now call Web 2.0. Um, uh, but it, I was like wanting to get in there, and I thought, right, here's another uh, big uh, shift i need to be part of this future um and that's where i wanted to to, to really drive it towards rather than you know rinse and repeat to make decent money but it was like boring at this time and um i think a little bit you know stuck in the past so anyway my motivation went i left that business and I would have left any business nothing to do to those guys um, and ended up just trying to figure out what I was going to do for the next two years or so. It literally was, it one, I, I, I see this very much like wandering in the wilderness, Martin, mm-hmm. um, because I had a bit of an idea, uh, but I had a bit of money s- s- stacked away and it was like, okay, let's figure out how to make cash. Um, uh, but try and do it by learning new technology and figuring out where that's going to take recruiting, still in recruiting. I just thought, okay, social tech is likely to change how recruiting works. Let's have a look how that sort of operates. If I can learn enough about it, maybe I can go and teach people about it. Maybe I could train people, whatever. Um, and uh, I set up uh, more or less like a almost a social media training business. I, I would guess you'd call it. Um, uh, but it made zero money. It was like literally the worst business ever. Um, it was, it was, um, because it, and it taught me a huge amount. Actually, it taught me about hey, it's not about having the great ideas or, or even the great sort of um, deliverables. Um, it's about do you have a viable product? Do you have a viable offering? um and and i i I didn't um i remember having a conversation this is when i was getting at the end of my tether by the way so i'm burning cash for about 12 months now right um and that's not easy having gone from a decent salary to zero Mm -hmm. um uh, you know it was oh shit uh well you know what's happening here uh okay for the first three months but then it's like right now it's like pressure on i'm just seeing outgoings i'm not seeing any incoming um and i remember speaking to um one, a good client of mine. And he said, Hung, listen, what you're saying is amazing. And I was saying, hey, listen, you could do all of these wonderful things with social tech, um, improve your branding. And if, now we call it employer branding, we call it talent attraction, that kind of stuff. Uh, the language wasn't really fully formed then. Um, and But he said, Hung, you just got to make it viable, man. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, you got to de-risk your proposition. Right now you're saying, I'll do this, this, and this for you. But he couldn't map it or connect it to an outcome And on the bottom line to his business and that taught me a massive lesson And i just had to spool it back and i thought okay what i'm going to do is change the business model uh of what i was doing um don't charge in this way make it super easy for people to buy but then make it very easy for them to buy more um and uh, once i figured that bit out that's when you know there was a big rebound and i managed to, to to make up the uh uh, the year plus of zero money very quickly. So, so yeah, I was like training for a little bit, then dropped into like tech tech startup type land because uh, the uh, the types of companies that were most amenable to do creative things in recruiting were themselves inherently creative businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, when you're a, a startup, you've got a bit of money, you're there to disrupt banking or something, you're going to look at everything with a disruptive set of eyes. So when someone comes in and say, hey, listen, here's a new way to try and do recruiting, they're going to be more amenable to do it than if you have a legacy business that, oh, we've always done it this way. So I ended up working with a lot of these uh, um, uh, companies and ended up being internal, half, half in, half out, half, half the time, um, you know, a bit of strategic, bit of operations, and then got fairly embedded in the uh, the startup world. It has to be said, you know, a great uh, a a great part of the the industry that I'm very happy to uh, to have managed to get into.
0: Cool, no, absolutely cool. It's uh, really exciting, journey. Some really interesting lessons there. I love the uh, the, the the kind of epiphany moment that uh, that 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 your customer shared with you, uh, you know, about how you can you need to communicate a value proposition when you're trying to sell to them and how it affects their bottom line. And
1: It's not even communicate, you need to have a value yes. proposition that they can buy. I mean, I was doing great communication, but one of the things that is problematic um, for new businesses generally, and I think this is true for agencies as well, and, and you know, anybody setting out on their own, which you know these days a lot of people are trying, trying their arm at, um, is that we end up over-pitching and we end, meaning we're spending too much time pitching for customers. And then they're meeting us, uh, we're burning time and energy and they're ultimately not signing off on it. Um, uh, and there's a reason why they don't sign off on it. Um, and it took me a long time. And this this person, thank you, Steve, by the way, um, who, who, who told me that corrected my path. And I just said, look, um, firstly, I never did another pitch again, mine after having heard his chat. Um, I realized pitching is not the way to secure new business um, because you're gonna get a lot of people coming in and probably not with all in, you know, I'd hate to call them uh, kind of window shoppers because they're, they're, they're not really, but you, it's hard to buy stuff that's not tangible. You're coming in providing consultancy services. Okay, fine. What does that mean exactly? I'm just gonna, you know, spin a couple of grand your way for no reason. Definitely agencies aren't gonna do that. Um, so you need to make it buyable. And the way I made it buyable was simply buy on time. I mean, I ended up thinking, I'm gonna chunk out my time and you're gonna prepay this time. And then we'll just audit it back. Um, so the model I worked with was pretty similar to how a lawyer works. Okay, you buy 20 hours of my time, you can use it as you want within reason. Um, and then we just report back on wh- what you've used it for. Um, and I ended up doing stuff that was generally higher. Firstly, cause it's a small pack at a time. It's not like a three month contract or whatever it is like that. You can charge it reasonably quite high per unit, per hour is quite high. But overall, cost for the project is very, very low because so it's a small amount of work. Um, but over time, um, uh, this person is going to keep renewing and keep buying more um, because you, you're now a tested and trial and tested uh, type of service. So it's almost like you've got to give like a try before you buy service, but obviously don't give it free. But the way you avoid the free is you do a prepaid type model.
0: Nice. Yeah, really nice. It's... Uh, um... I like that. I like that model and uh, and the comparisons between other industries. And I think that's one of the key things that that I get from you quite a lot is how other industries are doing things so well and those kind of transferable pieces that that you can bring over to what we do uh, within recruitment. That, that's the thing that I love about a lot of the content that you that you put out and that you curate as well is is that transferable um, information and knowledge. So so thanks for that.
1: That's no quite interesting uh, go ahead Iman. i think these are the questions but just on that point um the uh, I, I love looking at other industries and even other disciplines forget industries because you can learn so much from all of them there's some underlying mm. principles that can literally be like just slide across any industry uh, and i think if we're overly fixated only on the internal conversations we have in recruiting we oftentimes just will miss uh, an insight um that could be Uh, you know, pretty much accepted elsewhere in a different industry. But for us, it'd be a revelation. And if you can grab all of that, that's going to give you an advantage.
0: No, I totally agree. I totally agree. It's kind of one of the rules that I live by as well is, is what can we learn from other people? And how can we uh, implement that within what we do to make what we do better? So moving a little bit more on to the future, uh, to the present, and obviously, you're, you're out there, you're running recruiting brain foods, you know, you're you've got you know the the weekly newsletter you've got the facebook group you've got the chat bot you've got you know your your everyday kind of social activity as well how, how do you manage your workload you know do you have a um do you have a secret to how you manage your workload do you have a an app to manage your to do what's your secret for productivity
1: uh, I, there is no secret because i'm not very good at this um <laughs> <laughs> let's let's be honest mine i'm not i mean there's some people that are literally machines that can just box things off and go i can't and i don't and i end up sort of definitely getting distracted as, as everyone does um and i could be better there's no doubt about that um probably the best way and i've tried every task manager and all this kind of stuff and and i think a lot of the time these types of tools are, are of so almost like you're trying to outsource the responsibility of just getting on with it um the, the thing that i've learned that has been effective though has been a time blocking extensions on 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 browser so these days most of the your work is on a browser um because it's web orientation however problematic because you'll have multi-tabs open and once you do that you'll have loads of things out of your control um, so um, you want to get some sort of extension that will help you control that and um, there's a bunch of them out there but the time boxing app i think is really good it's it's annoying but because every time you finish a task you've got to then set time for the next task but then you find actually you're doing it um and uh, you're pounding through um so yeah that's a productivity tip but um i could get better man i mean i'm no expert at this i'm not one of these tim Ferriss style people or <laughs> you know individuals that can incre- oh yeah i just wrote my novel today as well as you know do a marathon no
0: uh, I, I, this is not me it's just basically just getting on with what you need to get on with and as much as i can that time. yeah and getting rid yeah. of any of the distractions yeah i like yeah. that um it's simple but it, it it's effective you know, um I've, I've dabbled with those uh those those time blockers and those uh uh tab blockers and it, it's simple but effective because it gets rid of all of the distractions that you usually have you know on your tabs I'm just looking across kind of my screens and you know 50 million tabs open and you don't know which one to kind of go to next so certainly worth it um so here's an interesting one uh yeah you know, you, you've become a bit of a I, I'm not going to use the word celeb because that's wrong. I'm not even going to use the word influencer because that's wrong, but you've done quite a lot, um, you know, uh, out there, you know, socially, um, you know, whether that's in-person events when we used to have them, whether that's, you know, as part of your, um, part of your recruiting brain food, you've done a lot, um, you know, thinking back to the uh, the marathon as well you did earlier on in the year. So I think a lot of people feel as though they've got to know Hung Lee quite well, but What's the one thing about Hung Lee that people don't know?
1: <laughs> you know what? Well, that's a really interesting question. And now, now I wish I, I had read every question that you, 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 you put in that sheet, Martin. Um, what people don't know. Um, this is really tricky for me to answer because the truth is I am pretty open in most cases, um, uh, like I'm, I don't think I've, I don't think there's any secret I'm truly carrying that nobody knows. Um, oh yeah, apart from the fact she's buried. No, she's not. No, no. Um, <laughs> uh, there, there, there's there's no secret. There's no secret. Um, there's a lot of things people are not aware of simply because you know they haven't asked or you know I haven't shared. Um, but they're usually just normal facts. You know. Um, you know the, the way I see. The distinction between privacy and publicity if you like is that 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 is not a particularly clear boundary for me um uh, in fact i've learned to default to the public rather than to the private in most situations um and the reason for that is is ultimately i don't like to stew on things internally And I prefer to just have other people, you know, potentially contribute to just the the discussion on that. I think that's a useful thing for me to try. Um, So I live my life fairly openly. Um, uh, There's uh, if there's some sort of issue, I try to discuss it as publicly as I can. Um, And through that, I think, yeah, generally people um, can get to know a little bit. Um, So yeah, I'm struggling to answer one thing that is that is definitely um uh people don't know man
0: um I don't know my cool. group uh, group <laughs> <laughs> no that's cool that's cool it, you know it uh, I think that's um interesting because like you said you know you, you do live quite a lot publicly in terms of you you try to get people involved in conversation discussion and uh and so I suppose there isn't really much that that is out there that you haven't like you said, you defaulted to public so that's quite interesting that you can't think of one thing that might be uh, unknown, but, but that's fine. That's absolutely cool. So, a um, couple of quick fire questions. Uh, I think I think we'll. Uh, it, if you could summarise it in one sentence, why do you think recruitment is awesome?
1: Um, recruitment is awesome because you are genuinely helping people um, find work. Um, and that's, that's a life-changing, potentially a life-changing experience for that person could be a business changing thing for the hiring company. Um, uh, so you are doing important work, you know, that is, that is not to be underestimated. That's one of the most important functions out there. Um, it's not compliance driven thing. Uh, you know, the government hasn't said you must be this type of thing. Um, we're doing uh, I think an amazing job, um, uh, to help people really change their, their their circumstances. So, yeah, I think that's gotta be the, you can't forget that. That's the main and
0: only thing that's important. Yeah. I love it. Um, couldn't agree more. It's, uh, one of the things that I always say to people as well, you know, my, my kids, you know, when they ask what I do for a job, I say, I help people get, I help people get jobs. It's, you know, it, it, it's the most simple explanation and the, um, the reason why it's so important. So I love that. Um, so we've gone through a lot of change, uh, a lot of uh, um, a lot of change over the last six eight months. Obviously, that's been you know the whole pandemic has been a bit of a catalyst to some of that change within the industry. What do you think is next in the world of recruitment, in your opinion?
1: I think the the situation for us is going to be really radical. Mine. Um, I mean, th- this moment, I think. Kind of will change recruitment downstream because I think the main effect of it is actually going to be changing companies um, and changing how, uh, you know, we think about companies uh, changing even the reason for a company, Um, uh, you know, as we are now distributed everyone gets we're getting squashed and flattened out. Um, And the the absence of the proximity, uh, physical proximity, uh, uh, line of sight, et cetera, et cetera, will ultimately mean we'll all end up questioning, oh, why am I working only for this company? We'll end up, I think, being multi-employer at some point. Um, uh, We'll end up sort of having multi-revenue streams at some point. Um, uh, We'll end up therefore having uh, lots more relationships um, uh, with lots more people, um, but probably less strong relationships with smaller numbers of people, um, and what this means for recruiting is that it's going to be a very exciting spot for us. Um, but it's going to mean fundamental change um, in terms of how it all works. Um, uh, let me let me chain this down into something that's more easy to understand. Um, companies are going to hire less permanent staff. Um, uh, permanent staff is is one of the things that. Uh, the companies basically who are carrying huge headcount, they've had to make loads of redundancies going, uh, in this period. They're not gonna go through that pain again. They're looking for uh, flexible working, on-demand staffing. They're looking for a totally different relationship with the types of people that they will, they will interact with. Um, people who've been let go, being made redundant, et cetera. They've now been stung a little bit by this, you know, oh, I thought this was my job for life. or oh, I thought this was my job for the next 10 years or whatever it might be. They're now very sensitive to the fact of, okay, if I'm next working for somebody, I need to make sure it's super secure. And I'm also not going to neglect this side project I'm doing. Um, And, you know, suddenly the entire relationships will change basically people will have more revenue streams from multiple employers employers will have many more types of people working for them that won't necessarily be full-time employees Um, what recruiters have got to do agency and in-house um and hr as a matter of fact is really rethink what our value is because the audience that we traditionally cared about the the demographic we traditionally care about is going to start shrinking um uh, you know um uh, particularly for permanent hiring um obviously you say right i'll segue into um a contractor freelancing recruiting etc yes of course you should do that uh, but are you also thinking about how you interact with gig economy platforms um uh, you know are, are we involved when we're talking about offshoring decisions or inshoring decisions um uh, what are we doing with part-time work job share You know, what are we talking about Uh, working on a purely on-demand basis on a project basis, right? Uh, Do recruiters get involved there? We need to. Um, So I I think that's where we've got to go. Um, Companies are going to get squashed and flattened. We're going to get squashed and flattened as well. We should embrace that. But what that means is that we should also then spread into these other areas that are currently not handled by typically a recruiting function or a
0: recruiter. Yeah, I like it. I think you're, uh, <clears throat> I think you're spot on. Um, we're looking at a period of significant change in the world of work and we need to be, we need to be the function that supports that change and, and is the, yeah, I mean, they say over the last six, eight months, HR have been the real champions of, of this whole period, you know, with furlough, with redundancies, with just changes to work, working from home, all those kind of things. Um, I think that, I think you're right i think as a as a uh as a function um recruitment talent acquisition call it what you need um it's going to see a lot of changes and we need to be the people that that lead that for sure
1: yeah. exactly that we've got to be in charge of it we've got to take ownership of it it's who else is going to do it but us um but it also means we, we we've got to be brave we, we, yeah. we can't we can't stick to to the old and can't wait for the return to the old that ain't happening
0: no no most dangerous words i think right now are because that's the way we've always done it it's uh Yeah, there's no, there's no room for that anymore, uh, unfortunately. So, um, are you currently reading anything? What, what, any book recommendations for anybody that's listening in?
1: Oh my goodness, I'd love to read more books, Um, but the truth is, I don't. uh, There's no excuse, by the way. Um, uh, You know, I really do need to dive into more deeper literature. Um, uh, But I found that doing a lot of the brain food stuff is that I'm always reading lots of different things. Um, And what what I've discovered is that I need a break from the reading aspect, the idea of reading text. Um, So instead, what I've been doing is jumping onto YouTube, um, which, you know, a lot of people might think, yeah, what are you doing on YouTube? But there's like a ton of great information there. Um, And a lot of it is actually really good documentary type stuff. Um, So I'm a big fan of military history, for instance. Um, So I'm I'm getting addicted to this channel called Kings and Generals, uh, which is uh, basically um, uh, a documentary series on historical battles, significant Mm. historical battles, um, uh, but it's played out through computer animation, right? Or computer game animation. (laughs) And it's just fantastic because you can see the disposition of the troops. You can see how things are happening. And you can just remark on, wow, this happened. Therefore, you know this implication was the case. Um, and and that's a world changer. So, I would say there's so much different types of content out there. Reading, of course, needs to be re- restored to its rightful position. I-, I need to step back into that for sure. Um, but there's all kinds of avenues to get great content. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's something I'm also trying to explore different sort of way, different media to get uh, to get this info.
0: No, oh, absolutely. I think we can make ourselves ill with just the amount of content that comes our way. Um, but there you go. There's one thing that people may not have known about you military history, buff. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, that's good to know. Um, same as, um, cool. And one last question, random question, but, I, but I want to throw it out there. What's your favorite sandwich?
1: Favorite sandwich. That's quite easy. Um, because I would say there's two and they're both kind of similar, right? Um, so I think firstly, I'm a big, like a seafood fan. So I love a fish finger sandwich. Um, you cut four fish fingers, some iceberg lettuce, some pickles, some mayonnaise. You put it on a crispy bap, bit of cheese in there. Boom. That's delicious. That's just one of the King's meals. I would say, so if (laughs) if I was going to make a sandwich, I would make that, um, if I'm in like in a pret or something of this type and I'm buying a sandwich, I would probably buy something like a prawn mayonnaise. Again, seafoody, right? Um, uh, but simple, but kind of clean. It's not got loads of oils in it, and it tastes good. And you know, yeah, that'll do the job. So there's a pattern there. Seafood sandwich. That's me. <laughs> good stuff. Love a fish
0: finger sandwich myself. <laughs> well, there we go. Um, hopefully, uh, we've learned a little bit more about you, and um, we've we've certainly heard some really really interesting um interesting tidbits of information as well there hung it's been really interesting to learn a bit more about you as well and you know where you've come from and where you've got to where you are today and uh and how you've um how you've been a part of that journey as well as led that journey in some aspects as well it's been really really interesting
1: it's been my pleasure having a chat with you martin this has been a great interview so um so yeah great to be part of this uh this series
0: no thank you so much and uh Stay tuned for other people coming up, but in the meantime, uh, thank you very much, Han. You're very welcome, man.